morning, everybody. It is great today because this is, I'm, I'm always excited about some, starting something new, and today is a new journey that we're going to have together here uh, as a church family, and if you're watching online, this is something as well. You can participate with us wherever you are, and so this is a good day. This is a good day to be here uh, as we launch into this the season, it's really not just a series, but it's a season that we're finally getting to, uh, God's timing with all of it, uh, that will really lead us in and through the Easter season as we go. We're calling it Unstoppable. And then, so it's not just a series, it's not just a series we're going through the book of Acts, which I love the book of Acts, and I can't wait to just jump in here in a moment. But I want to set it up with you that, that it's not just gathering here on Sundays that we're participating in this. But we're actually going to be doing that in our small groups, and we have these nifty little growth guides that we provide. And so we're gathering, we're in groups, we're in growth guides, and it's all of them together kind of help us grow and get closer to Jesus and closer to one another and be, as we were even seeing this morning, God is the unstoppable God that we get to be a part of and participate in the, in the church to be well, unstoppable. And, and so I'm excited about these. These booklets are going to be available after the service on the way out. In fact, right now, they're still getting folded and prepared for you. And so I have the first copy. And so it's pretty nice. And so these ladies are working really hard right now to do that and provide for that. Um, you'll notice that when you get yours, it doesn't fold quite. So you're still going to be involved folding your booklet. So get a, like a really heavy like encyclopedias or if you remember those, whatever books you have and stack it up there. But you'll, in your use of it over the next 10 weeks, it'll, it'll get broken in. And so we're super excited about this as well. So I wanted to give you some guidance as you participate with us and I want to invite everyone to do that. So the way it's going to work is the, to participate first, this is step one, is to read the scripture that is assigned for the week. And so we didn't get these books here. We were hoping to get them last weekend to, to really your first week would have been in the book. And that was to read Acts 1 and 2. And some of you today said, oh, I already read Acts 1 and 2. Perfect. You can go back and fill in what you read and in the questions that are involved with this. It's basically asking, you know, what did it mean to you? What did it say? What does it mean to you? Well, now what will you do with it? And so you can do week, you can do week one and fill that out if you've already read Acts want to encourage you then to go if you haven't read Acts 1 and 2. But this week though, so this is the assignment, is to read Acts 3 through 5, chapters 3 through 5. And then next weekend we'll talk about Acts 3 through 5 or something within the message of that. And then the following week you'll discuss it in your groups. So is that pretty clear? So you're going to read before what's coming on Sunday but then you're going to discuss what you did the previous week. Does that make sense? So you're going to read ahead. So this week, if we're discussing in our small group, Acts 1 and 2, which we're going to talk about here today, you will also be reading ahead on Acts 3 through 5. How many understand what I just said? Do you think you're going to, I think it's pretty clear. The book explains it, step one and two. And the reason I say all that is people got really confused, including myself when I was leading my own small group. So hopefully that makes sense. It's a great journey to go together. One other thing I want to, well, two other things I want to mention is on the back of this, and you'll have some exercises in your small group to talk about this, we call it act out activity ideas. And so it'd be a shame just to, to study the book of Acts and not do any thing of action. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. That's almost unbiblical, right? Like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe this and actually not do anything. That would just be 
Well, I think the Bible says that's sin. Do something you don't no, we'll get to that later, but it's, it's a pretty serious thing. Like we want to participate in, in the life of being a Christian is, is actually acting out uh, your faith. And so I encourage you, encourage you to do that. And then the other thing, one more thing to mention is on Mondays, I'm dropping uh, on, on the Facebook. You can follow us on, uh, at, uh, at CTK North Bay. You can follow us on Mondays. We're going to be doing uh, I'm dropping a, a video, just encouragement video, three to five minutes. Say, hey, here we are together. We're doing this as a, as a church community. And so you can see that be posted in that just as a little kind of encouragement for the week, maybe some little thoughts and ideas and tips for you and even in your group, group time that you have. So that's what we're doing. So on the way out today, there'll be a book for everyone uh, that you can participate in, in this opportunity that we're gonna have together. And if you're not in, as Hillary mentioned, thank you for Hillary for sharing all you did. The if you're not in a small group, we really do encourage you, like, this is the season to jump in. This is the week to get involved. And so if you mark on the card, I want to be in a group, someone will be getting a hold of you to help you find a group that matches maybe your schedule or maybe your age level and season of life. And so we'll help you find that. And if you don't have a group and you, you want to be, uh, you say, I'm just going to start a group, do that. There's no one telling you anything except jump in and, and be involved part of it. So I'm excited about that. So this, this is the season as we do this. Now, of course, the book of Acts, it's all based on the first century, what happened, but I want to not go all the way back to the first century. What I want to start off this series talking about and sending the tone with getting, going just back to the 16th century, okay? 16th century, specifically, the date is 1559. Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez, Captain Cortez, went and laid siege, siege on the Aztec capital, Atelochotiquilin. I don't think I pronounced that right. Um, now what we consider Mexico City. He marches in with the Spanish army to basically confront Montezuma II. And he says to Montezuma, give us your gold or I'll kill you. Thinking that he was a god, they did that. He did that, and he still killed Montezuma. In fact, within, the less, within two years, they laid siege, siege on Mexico City. They ended up starving out 240,000 Mexican citizens. And what, so less than two years, this, this mighty empire fell that, was, that actually started at the time of Christ. It had been around about 1,500 years and collapsed in two years. Wiped it out. How could that happen? That's amazing how they do that. And then what's interesting is, 125 years later, another Spanish conquest was attempted into what we have as New Mexico and to invade the Apaches. And the Apaches, think about this, the Aztecs, were they had the most beautiful, in fact, you can still visit the ruins there today. I mean, massive pyramids, like water systems, this intricate, well-organized well society that the, the Aztecs were. Buildings and everything was amazing. But the Apaches, they didn't have any pyramids. They didn't have any buildings. They didn't have really roads. They didn't really have any, anything you would think, well, that is a successful empire. But the Apaches could not get defeated by the Spanish. As much as they tried, they could not wipe out the, the Apaches. And there was a reason for that. 
And the reason the way you can discover it is this, is one was a spider kingdom. The other one was a starfish kingdom. Now, some of you are like, we're not even in the Bible yet. Why are we talking about this? I have a point to it. See that the, the Aztecs were the, the spider kingdom. You, you squash the spider, you squash the head, you kill, you kill the spider. A starfish, if you cut a leg off a starfish, because there's not really a central, you know, bot, you know, central head to a starfish, you cut one off, guess what? Another one will grow back. <laughs> In fact, some breeds of starfish, you cut, the, you cut the leg of a starfish, it grows another starfish. And what was happening is that the, the Aztecs were the spider kingdom. They, you squashed the head, they're wiped out. But, but, the, but the Apaches, they were, they were decentralized system that they had. You, you take one tribe out, another tribe rose up, one leader, another leader rose up. And, and, and you're like, why does this have anything to do with the book of Acts? It has everything to do with it. See, God in all his brilliance knew that the best way to build his church was not going to be a centralized uh, movement that's going to be around one human being. If you look at, the, we read through the book of Acts, and we get in the first century, there was mass persecution. The, this maniac, Roman Emperor Nero, tried to wipe out the church in the first century. And, and, and moving to the other centuries, it even got worse, where the the, the Christians were, were put in stadiums, and you still can visit these Colosseums today where they were fed to lions. All this was going on in the first few hundred years, and yet it, it, this, this movement took place called the church that was translated, the, the, the Bible translated in various languages. It moved through the dark ages and the black plague and re religious corruption, crusades that happened, dark times. But then there was re reformation and there was renewal and there was awakenings. But then there was wars and there was holocaust and there was terrorism. And there even was global pandemics. You're like, us? Yeah, lots of pandemics that happened over the course of history. So it had, it couldn't be, it couldn't be a spider kingdom. It had to be. It had to be a starfish kingdom. A kingdom that, that, that was wonderfully decentralized and intricately independently connected with one divine leader. The one leader they thought they could squash like a bug, but he rose from the dead and became the divine leader, Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said, even before all that was about to happen to him, he said these words, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. It would be unstoppable. How can, how can that be? How can that be true? Well, we're here today. We're here today to testify and say, it, 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 we, we can tell the story. And so now it's our turn to be that church. Now, what type of church? Well, what, what kind of church do you want to be? You're like, well, I wish we could go back to be the church we were before. <laughs> you know, the, the church of yesterday or yesteryear. The church, what church do we want? Do we want the pre-COVID church? Or do we come back and be the church that we're really truly called to be? And I think the book of Acts is such a great blueprint for us. It's a great template for us is it, to look back. It, it, and we're going to go through it. And there's going to be some things you're going to go, how can we live up to such the ideals are there? But you need to understand the church also went through a lot of messiness, a lot of pain, and a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. But it's a model to us. And it's, it's something that we can inspire towards that we're going to look at.
And what happened was the people there that describe what happened was this transformation that took place that would, it said it would turn the world upside down. I don't know about you, but I want to I wanna give my life to that. I want to give my life to seeing transformation happen in and through his church. You know, we celebrate Black History Month and you're thinking, gosh, what do we, what do we you know, how do we do this? What, what, what do we, how do we be something, just a little old us and where we're at? And I love, I love what Martin Luther King wrote. He said that if anything kind of practical, moving forward, any kind of movement, he says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep, you have to keep moving forward. Whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Forward. Our feet are designed to move forward. They're pointed ahead. Now, I want us just to pray. Can we pray as we start this journey together? Lord, as we enter this season, one of the things that would be very, very dangerous to say that there's some kind of formula, there's something that we would manufacture, that we would read the Bible so prescriptive, Lord, that if we do A, B, and C, we're going to get the answer or the breakthrough. And Lord, that is so naive that there's no quick fixes. There's no way that we as human beings can manufacture any of this. It's not just the acts of us, Lord. It is the acts of your very spirit through us. And so, Lord, may we surrender to you and and your kingdom, we pray and what you want to do in and through your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. Let's jump in right here. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I write about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them to give many convincing proofs that he was alive. As we enter this couple-month journey together, we want to make sure we understand that this is not what we're entering. It's just some story that happened or someone wrote about. But it, no, it actually did happen. It's, it actually is history. And the writer if you don't know, is the Apostle Luke. Last spring, we did a whole series, just like we're starting now, on the Gospel of Luke. And so when he talks about my former book, it is the, it is the Gospel of Luke that he's referring to. Now, we looked at Luke before. Who is Luke? Luke actually was from the city of Antioch. He was, one of, he was part of one of the first churches that they call apostolic, where they met as a church, but they, were, they would send out missionaries all over the, the region and into the, to the ancient world. And one of those famous missionaries was Paul. In fact, Luke, if you see where we're going to get into the book of Acts, it's interesting how the, the narrative changes, the the, the voice changes from kind of third person to first person. He goes from, you know, this was going on to we were going along. And so what we find in history is that Paul, or that Luke went with Paul on one of his missionary journeys. Luke, we, find, we know, is a very educated man. He was a physician by trade, uh, but he was a second 
generation Christian. What that meant is he, he never knew Jesus personally when Jesus was on the earth, but he knew people that knew him. And so what we find is Luke wanted to, he had a passion burden. He wanted to make sure there was an account of what happened. We wanted to make sure that people understood and heard because he's hearing all these witnesses share. And wouldn't it be good to try to put this in, put this in a story, put this in, a, in, a, in an account to make sure that people know about it. So if you grew up and you didn't really weren't a Bible person, we need to be re- re- recognizing this is that it really did happen. This is history. This, this really took place. There's documentation, extra biblical documentation of the writings that we're, we're looking at. It's, it's a, actually an account of it. It's not a fairy tale that's made up. And in fact, Luke writes it in, in how he like, writes in his gospel. In the first chapter, he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that had been, been, been fulfilled among us. Many. He's not just saying some. Lots have been written about Jesus and what he's done. He says, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first were witnesses and servants of the word. He said, I received it, you know, I received this now passing it down, handing it down to eyewitnesses. And then he says, the beginning of his gospel, he says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So here, Luke is writing, he wrote in gospel about this man named Theophilus, and now he's bringing up Theophilus again. Who the heck is Theophilus? Why does that matter? Why does he put that in there? Well, if you, you've ever read a book, you know, at the beginning, there's a lot of people who will dedicate the, their book to those that helped them contribute to that. It might have been editors, it might be people that inspired them. Sometimes there's forwards in books that, that people want someone to write a forward about in, endorsing your book. And that's really probably what Theosophist's job was. He was probably a publisher. Now, back then, they didn't have printing presses, and so they had scrolls that had re- handwritten, very expensive, not, not only the paper and the labor that would go into it. And so, most likely, Theophilus was the one that was kind of funding the writings that, that, that Luke had to get the gospel out. And now this record of the, the first century church that was going to be written in the book of Acts. And so you read this and you're going, he's, and, he, and Paul, or, um, Luke calls him he, most excellent, which most likely he was a Roman citizen. He was also maybe part of the Roman army. He served on, on a regiment there. And so Theophilus actually means God lover. You know, Theo, God, Philo, Philo is love. And, and it's almost like Luke saying, you're God lover. I want to help you to be a, a Jesus lover. So why does he write to Theophilus? He says this, so you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. The certainty of the things. Not just kind of know it over here, and it's kind of made up over here, and this part over here. I want you to really know. I want to give you an accurate account. He's basically saying, I've investigated, I've, I've, I've talked to eyewitnesses, I, I have all of it, and I put together this, this, this writing so that you can know, not only for you to know, but for future generations to know. Now, we're gonna, let's jump back into Acts 1, verse 3. He writes this. He says, And Jesus then, he said, appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Um, so, so, so Luke writes this, sets the tone. This is so important. I, it, we don't want to gloss over this. Tells them over a period of 40 days about the kingdom of God. Now, what does he mean by the kingdom of God? Well, we need to understand that 
the kingdom of God was fundamental for Jesus. In fact, it, we can read in the other gospels, it says Jesus came to proclaim his kingdom. But what was his kingdom? His kingdom was the, his rule and reign. His way of life, his, his will and what he wants to accomplish that would come from heaven on to earth. And for us to be a part of the kingdom, of the kingdom is that we allow his rule and reign to be in our lives as well. And so he tells this after the resurrection. So 40 days, periods of time, he's explaining and talking through with them his kingdom. And then at the end, really what he does is, like, I, I need to, I'm leaving. I'm going to be ascending to heaven. I want to give you some, some marching orders. I, I, I really want you to, well, I want you to get it. I want you to understand what I mean by my kingdom. What kingdom was he bringing, building? It wasn't building and sharing a spider kingdom. Okay, that didn't, that didn't work too well because Jesus proved that. <laughs> he tried to squash him. He just rose from the dead. No, he's building a starfish kingdom, a decentralized kingdom. In verse four, in these final words, these final days with Jesus, he says this. Luke writes, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father's promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Here he is proclaiming the kingdom, and now they say, oh, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, that's an honest question. You're thinking, that, yeah, what's going to happen, Jesus, now? But if I was Jesus and what I know, but if I was in my imperfection, I'd be going, guys, you don't get it. You don't understand. Why are you asking me that? Well, what were they asking? What were they asking Jesus as, are you going to restore the political kingdom? Why are you restore, going to bring back, get our borders back? You're going to allow, and, and you're, going to, you're going to kick out the Romans, and Israel is going to go back to the yesteryear, going to go back to the, to the golden reign, maybe of Solomon, and maybe of David, and, and unite the kingdom of God again. I mean, heck, you're, you're related to David. You're going to bring back, and there's prophetic words of the David coming uh, from that, in your line of David. All that's going to come together. They're thinking all this they have it's not a bad thinking in the sense of what because it, it makes sense from their jewish heritage in fact the jewish people today visit israel visit someone in israel standing at the temple mount or below the temple mount i said why don't you believe in jesus well the jesus you believe in is not the jesus we believe that is going to come back he's going to come back and rule and reign and believe they're still believing for a political kingdom to come back. Well, that will happen one day, but it's going, to be a, it's going to be Jesus' second coming, not his first. He's saying, I have a kingdom that you guys, you don't understand my kingdom. He says, oh, he said it over and over after the last three and a half years. They're not getting, you remember when we were like camping together? Do you remember all the things I was sharing with you? Don't you understand? I was thinking Jesus probably got frustrated. Like, you're not getting it. <laughs> my kingdom, guys, 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 my kingdom is not of this earth. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a political kingdom. You know, I, I, think, I think it's a reminder of us. The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of the United States. The kingdom of God is not a political party. The kingdom of God is not who's in 
the White House right now or who's in the governor's seat right now or who you want them to, to be. But you didn't like the last election. No, the kingdom of God is much broader and bigger. It's not a spider kingdom. It's a starfish kingdom that he wants to build. And we read through the book of Acts, we need to understand this, that it's all reflected of how God wants to build his kingdom, what Jesus left for the church to do, and that we walk and follow those steps. And it's not a formula. It's not something we do this, this, and this, and this, we realize. No, it's, it, certain things happen in certain ways, and it, 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 it ended up being amazing, like lots of people were touched, and then some things that happened are like, wow, that was bad. But actually it was good, but a lot of pain and persecution they went through. But I want to challenge as the, as the first disciples where Jesus is trying to convince them to get it, that we will get it, to understand, surrender ourselves to his kingdom and his ways. Now, it sounds intimidating, doesn't it? Well, we just need to take the first step. Remember, as Martin Luther King said, just, you're, you're running, you can't run, you need to just walk, you can't walk. Well, just, I'm just going to crawl. <laughs> I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to take one step at a time. Well, here at the end of verse four, this is what he says. This, he gave them the command again. He, he said this again. He gave them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, promise, which you've heard me say, for John will baptize with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, as we get into this, as, as they're trying to understand, understand what's happening, I think I would, I would get confused at this point because Jesus before said to them, I'm sending you now, go and make disciples. I'm sending out, go preach the gospel to all nations. And then now he's telling them to wait. I'm confused, Jesus. You tell us to go, and now you're telling us to wait. Do we, do we, get, do we understand that? Well, here's, here's some thoughts. In fact, you can grab these notes digitally as well as you have them in your program here today. The first thought is this, and getting it, you know, it's knowing this, that waiting is when you don't know what for. <laughs> You ever waited and you don't know what for? We all have been there. We all have gone through things and you're like, oh, you, okay, this must be the line. You, you get in the line for whatever it is and you're just like, okay. And they're like, uh, this is not the line you should be in, right? You ever done that? Like, I've just been waiting a half hour. Yeah, this is where you, this is where you, this is where you order. This is, this is where, you know, this is not where, you know. So it's like, oh my gosh, I got to go the wrong. So we all have done that before. We've all, we've all gotten the wrong line. We've, but our, in, in our impatience, we, we struggle when God tells us to wait. We want to be, be about the mission. We want to go and do the things. And it's great. It's a great heart and desire to do that. But there's just times that we need to wait. We need to hold back. And we've learned this, that really true obedience is, is waiting on God when we don't know the results. That's, that's really true faith that we've experienced. We don't like it, but that's part of it. Now, we read the Bible backwards. Now, looking back at the, the days, we know that the record says it was 10 days that the disciples, they waited in the upper room for that, 10 days. The, Jesus didn't tell them 10 days. He just told them to wait a, a, a few days. Well, few days to me, when I read that, few days is a couple days, right? Few days is like three days. Day five, that doesn't sound like a few days. Day seven, that's called a week, Jesus. And this is throw three more days on top of that, just to really, like, I think I would be so crazy at day eight or nine. How about you? But we don't know. And that's the thing about the waiting. And I've learned in the waiting on God, I'm thinking, you know, that I'm, I'm waiting and thinking the right timing. I'm, I'm typically 99.9% .9 wrong every time. Aren't you? I am. 
And this is why he says, you know, because they're going, okay, okay, now, Lord, now, now, you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is it, this is it. This is what he says to him in verse 7. He says, it's not for you, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Can we make sure we get this for every single pandemic we go through? for every single crisis, for everything that goes cataclysmic in the world. You don't know when Jesus is coming back. Don't listen to whatever is out there. It's <laughs> my rant for the day. The word wait actually means this, to stay in vicinity in proximity, to wait. We wait in the Lord, and we wait in the Lord. There's something about, yeah, there's restlessness, and we wait, and we wait, but God does so much great work in the waiting and the proximity. They didn't know. They didn't know the 10 days were coming, like, hey, day 10, here we go. They didn't know. And for us to be remember that faith is formed in this waiting and trusting God's timing, not ours. Now, another thing to, in getting it and understanding is this, receiving power that, that you don't know why. Receiving power that you don't know why. Look at verse eight. This is, many of us know the scripture, but again, we're looking back on it like, oh yeah, this makes sense what happened. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in 10 days, they didn't know it was gonna be 10. They got it. They got it. What did they get? They got the gift of the Holy Spirit, they, but they got him. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. Jump to verse, uh, the end of, or actually the beginning of Acts 2. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came. Pentecost was a, a, a Jewish holiday. Uh, actually, 10 days. I mean, like 10 days actually after the Passover. It just all fits in with uh, the Jesus resurrection says this, they came, they're all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came, actually, sorry, 10 days, not 50 days, 50 days after, Penta is 50 days, 50 days after Pen, uh, a Passover. Sorry, somebody's going to correct me today on that, so I want to make sure. <laughs> Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of, of a violent wind came from heaven, filling the whole house where they're sitting. Now, think about this. I'm going to go back. 40 days resurrection, and then 50 was the, does that make sense, the 50 days? I'll explain that later on that. They're all sitting there. I'm I'm off there, sorry. They're, they're all sitting there, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Is that, that's very vivid description. You know, we, we've left the door open and the wind blows through. Can you imagine? It's a violent wind that was coming through. And it was happening. It was a stirring. They don't know where it was coming from. And then all of a sudden, they look at one another, and there's these little flames above their heads. At least that's what my interpretation of picturing this was happening. Tongues of fire. Now you're thinking, oh, they're like tongues. Now that's weird. It's not a tongue on fire, okay? It's tongues as a way of like, fire is like a tongue. Does that make sense? You can, uh, we can look that up later in your, in your study. That's actually a great thing to do in your small group this week. Where did that come from? But it rests on each of them. What was happening says, see, they understood the Holy Spirit. It's not that they didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. They can read through the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would show up and empower people in specific people and specific assignments, and then he would depart. There wasn't this mass, like every, look at it, it says, all of them. 
Not just, not just some of the cool kids in the group, okay? Not just, oh, Peter, James, and John. They got the Spirit. We didn't. It says all. All the believers were filled. And the, and the Spirit enabled. And there's this experience that happened. I don't know about you, and I don't know history, and I don't know God's plan. Again, I, we, we categorize all the things that happen in history and great movements and great things that happen. But how many know coming out of post-pandemic, we need a Pentecostal experience, don't we? Are you with me on that? We need a, a fresh wind of the Spirit of God to fall. It's, we can't manufacture that. You can't conjure up, I'm getting a little bit more desperate for it. How about you? I'm getting a little bit more looking at the fact, it seems, Lord, there's a lot of roadblocks in my way. There's a lot of less things happening. There's a lot of loss I'm experiencing around me. I think it's just stirring me more and more and more and more to be more desperate, more hungry, more unified. It says they're all together in one place. God loves unity. He loves hunger for him. We need fresh fire to fall. The power of the Holy Spirit. What's awesome, I love you. Read ahead, the end of Acts 2, it says this, the, this promise for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all the Lord our God will call. Let's make sure that, that movement, that day that happened, that wasn't just for that 120 people. There will be a movement that happened. We'll read through the book of Acts. When we read the Acts of the Apostles, really the Acts of the Holy Spirit, moving and through, flowing through people where more baptisms were happening. See, they, they didn't quite get that. They're like, Okay, we understand that the work of the Spirit and the Spirit did work and the Spirit of God showed up in our history and, and, and even at times with Jesus and all he did. But, but the baptism, I mean, we get, we get John's baptizing. You know, he baptized people in water. He dunked them in water. But the Spirit, what is that? Well, they were experiencing it. And then what happened is this, this transformation took place in all their lives. I mean, the transformation is so amazing with Peter, the Peter, the one that denied Christ three times. He's in the room. Well, this whole thing spills out into the streets. And you read in, the, in Acts 2, it's, it's this commotion happening, and, they, and they're causing such a stir, and, and people are going, what's going on with these people? Are they drunk? What's happening? And, and then somebody goes, no, it's only nine in the morning, which I think is pretty funny. What was happening? Where well, they're getting it. See, there's one thing to get is to know this. It's proclaiming when you don't know the response. Proclaiming you don't know the response. Peter didn't know what was about to happen. Peter gets up and starts preaching. And I, I don't know about you and openers, and I try to work on good communication, but I think it's what not to do in preaching is what Peter gets. He goes, and he kind of he kind of accuses the audience when he starts, says, hey, you people here, you know that Jesus, the one you killed? You don't know what I'm talking about? The one you put to death? He rose again. Ha! <laughs> He's like, he's like, if you want to really disturb, make a hostile crowd, accuse your audience right away from the get-go, okay? And you understand, this didn't happen years before. It happened, I was trying to calculate a bit, 50 days before, is that close to it? Where, where Jesus rose from that and made, let's say, 53 days before? It really wasn't, it wasn't a lot of time, and it was in Jerusalem, so guess what? They, many of them, they were there. The people in the crowd going, what's with these people? What's going on with them? They were some of the ones that probably were cheering for Jesus to be crucified. Maybe somebody was on the, on the team to do the scourging. They were sitting here. They're like, you, you guys, you're the ones. 
put him to death, but that, but that death did not keep him down. He rose from the dead for you. You would think that people would be like going after Peter. Okay, and well, some of that happens later, some of the disciples, but not here. What happened was such an amazing thing. Because part of it, they heard, they heard the gospel in their own languages. They heard that Jesus rose from the dead and all this was happening. And it was such a miracle that took place. Look at verse 37 of Acts 2. It says, when they, people heard this, they're cut to the heart. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. That's a lot of, I know, that's a lot of people getting dunked right there. And about 3,000 were added into their number that day. What was happening was such a movement that took place. But it, it, we read that like, oh, great. So every time the gospels preach, people are going to respond and go, yay, Jesus. <laughs> no. What we happens later is we find is there was no formula to it. What ended up happening was there was persecution, there was imprisonment, and even martyrdom. But we need to understand, we're, to get it, to get to understand the kingdom is we're, we're, our, our job is to be filled with the power and then become the proclaimers and we leave the results to the Lord and what he's going to do, right? We're not in charge of people's responses. I, I hear over and over people talk about like, I've been working, inviting a friend or a spouse or someone to come to church for many, many, many years. I share my faith with them. And just recently I heard back like they finally come after decades, many conversations. We never ever want to give up on sharing the gospel with people, but well, the Lord is the one that can do the results. What happens at the end that I want to wrap up with is one of my favorite passages, top five, if I listen, passages of scripture in the Bible. Now, I want to read a translation that maybe you've never heard before. The end of Acts 2. This is the summary of the church. Okay, you ready for this? this again, this, this translation you might not know. I don't, I don't think we'll have it on the screen. Actually, it's not that one. I'm going to go one before. I'll, I'll be there in a second. This is the one I, I've heard. This is a recent one. It says this, all the believers, you know all the believers? They were divided. They didn't have much anything in common. Hoarding their possessions and goods, they kept them as much as they could for themselves. Even now and then, if it wasn't football season and they weren't too tired, they'd come or watch church for an hour or so. And if it went a little bit long, like today will, they'll leave a little early to beat the Bob's Burger and Brew brunch crowd. They loved Jesus when it was convenient for them, yet they, they were ignored by the local community who were turned off by their demands for religious rights. Now, I don't know, have you, I don't know where, did you guys get that translation? I, if you want to know where it's at, it's the, a, it's the NACC 2020, the New American Consumer Christian Version. <laughs> okay, let's read the real one. This one's a little bit more inspiring. This is my, one of my favorites. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need. Every day, I don't know why I'm crying, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord 
added to their number daily. Those are being saved. I so want a church like that. I so want a church like that. I so want to be a part of it. I, 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 I will. I'll, I'll lay my down, down my life for that church. That is what we're called to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this thought and getting as this, as this gathering we, when we don't know who, who you need or needs you. Gathering when you don't know who you need or needs you. That's what happened in this church. What a beautiful description. Just a beautiful description. The, the perspective of abundance and leading in generosity and this amazing unity that they experience. And the awe of God, it spilled over into the life of the church. It just set the tone. Now with this description, we're gonna read, and you can read even through all the rest of the New Testament, it didn't go to the ideal that's there. There's messiness, even in the first century. There was weirdness. There's stuff that happened and correction needed to happen. Believe me, but there was a moment and there was an opportunity that there was a church like this that we can inspire to be. That was so opposite of the me first Christian American brand. The move of the Spirit, oh, we need a fresh move of such unity, a call to repentance, a call to, a call to getting it and understanding it today. I'm gonna to invite our team to come as we pray. And my heart and prayer is that we get it today. We just, we just get it. And, and, and what I mean by getting it, because I don't get it all either, but I'm willing to commit to get it. <laughs> I'm willing to go, I, I, I'm in. I'm in on this. No holes barred. No, no way that, that can stop the unstoppable God and what he wants to do. So I'm, I want to pray a prayer of commitment today. But as, as our team comes here, as we wrap up, uh, I, I felt like sharing this. My, my wife, uh, this is just before Valentine's, she hands me this. And it's a coupon. And it says this. Good for one whatever you want. Free. From your loving husband of 16 years. And I'm going, we, we've been married 28, almost 28 years. Where'd you get this coupon? She goes, I've been saving it. For, for 12 years? <laughs> what the heck? And I look at the bottom, the expiration date is 0000. I'm like, shoot. <laughs> I share this is that, that, that there's no expiration date to God's love for us. There's no expiration date. There's no limits. He's unstoppable. There's nothing that could hold him back. There's no, there's no cutoff date for what he wants to do. If he did it back then, he can do it again today. And he's saying, don't put limits on me. I want to move in you and I want to move through you. I want to be unstoppable. But are you willing are you willing to get it? Are you willing to receive all that I have of my kingdom be built, not your kingdom? Will you pray with me? <sighs> Lord, this, I am so glad we've got like 10 weeks to do this because there's so much more I wanted to share today and, and it'd be too much. It, it's enough, Lord. You know, it's enough because your Bible that you gave us is so powerful that we can read what happened. We can read what took place of this amazing experiment, risk that you took 
Lord, it could have been an easier way to get your message out. But Lord, you chose to use incredibly imperfect human beings that ended up turning the world upside down because they availed to your kingdom. Not kingdom that they built, the kingdom that you built. And Lord, we, we have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of damage that has happened this last couple years. God, may we grieve. May we grieve and maybe, Lord, we might even need to repent today that we weren't helpful in building your kingdom. Lord, may we repent that, that maybe our brand of Christianity has been caught up in what we wanted, what we want to see accomplished, what we can do and what we couldn't do. All our lame excuses. And Lord, may we ask, Lord, for your forgiveness of not being the church, God, you called us to be. But we still get a chance. We still have an opportunity this very day. And so, Lord, may you stir us in such a way in this season of your movement, of only that you can do. Your spirit only can stir our hearts. And so, Lord, may we boldly and humbly pray for a fresh Pentecost today, a fresh wind and fire of your spirit in us starting today, Lord. God, thank you for the reminder that your Bible doesn't expire, that your spirit doesn't expire, that your love for us doesn't expire. It's abundance that you give to us today. And through your great love that never runs out, never runs dry, doesn't have an expiration date, May we do the same. May we love without an expiration date. May we care and reach out to those around us. Oh, Lord, we can be that Acts 2, 42 to 47, Lord, to be your church through your spirit. So go with us, be with us as we move forward together in all that you're going to do. And may we anticipate and get excited about this season that we're going to embark on, we pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Birch Bay and Blaine and beyond, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.